40 years ago, deranged killer Michael Myers escaped from Smith's Grove Psychiatric Hospital and murdered five people, nearly killing innocent teenager Lori Strode in the process. He was shot by Dr. Sam Loomis and apprehended. Now, once again, Michael has escaped on Halloween night to terrorize Haddonfield, but this time Lori is ready for him. It's the rematch of the century and the 2018 box office smash, Halloween. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Jay. Josh Allred. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another episode of the Filmgasm podcast. Today we're digging into one of the best horror sequels of all time and one of my new favorites of the 2010s, Halloween. The sequel that ignored every film but the original Halloween and jump-started the franchise back to life. It's such an awesome film, and we're covering it today in honor of the sequel, Halloween Kills, which comes out this Friday. Uh, so excited. Uh, this has been like, become one of my favorites really quickly. I think it's a fantastic movie. And uh, usually, you know, we've been doing on the Film Gathering podcast during the month of October, we did Halloween the first year, Halloween two last year. We would have done Halloween three, Season of the Witch, but with Halloween Kills coming out, we thought, we thought you know, obviously. 2018's Halloween makes more sense. So that's why we're here. Well, I think Season of the Witch will get the love it deserves at some point. And if I don't request it or Caleb requests it, maybe the book will be generous enough and allow us to do it. Because oh, yeah. I get I get why everybody moans and groans about it. Oh, there's no Michael Myers. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. It's still hands down one of the weirdest and actually fits in with the three movies that follow it if you really buy into the whole like cult of thorn nonsense that happens after that so it's got a lot more to do with the franchise than people think it does good point i didn't think about that and we will for sure pretty i think it well, I won't say for sure, but it's looking good. We'll do Halloween 3 next October. Uh, but, you know, right now, nah. I'll say, I know, I think that was one. I think you said you were going to give that one a second watch. I think that was one of the ones you said qualified. Yeah. Ha- Halloween 3 I've seen one time, and I didn't care for it. But, say, you know. I know the TCM 2 thing where, like, we, I, mean, I know me and Josh like the movie Halloween 3, but I remember you were not a big fan. Yeah, if you listen to our 150 on uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, you'll know that I turned a new leaf on one horror movie, and now that apparently means every horror film I've ever not liked deserves a second chance. So I will be dealing with that till the end of time. Halloween 3, I will watch it again. Only in my eyes, because I'm here for you, buddy. (laughs) Oh, so before we get into Halloween, I've got two updates on the rewind. First up, we update our past episode on Hellraiser. Actress Jamie Clayton has been cast as the Cenobite leader Pinhead in an upcoming remake of Hellraiser by David Bruckner. Clayton is known for her appearances in the TV shows The L Word and Sense8. Franchise creator Clive Barker is producing the new film, which is finished production and will arrive on Hulu sometime next year. Uh, thoughts? I'm, I'm down for it. I mean, I know there are some kind of Amongst some fans, a big uproar that it's not Mel, it's not Doug Riley, 
And to that, I say look at the original novella. Clive Barker wrote Pinhead as much more feminine. And also the fact that, too, Clive Barker is producing this one. So I'm not worried. She probably did something to impress them and, you know, proved to be really good for the part. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm interested to see what they do with this Hellraiser. Yeah. How about you, Josh? I mean, if anybody was under the impression that Doug Bradley was going to be pinhead again, they're stupid. Like, and they can't expect the same person to continue like 30 plus years later. That's just, that makes no sense. And at some point, somebody is going to change something. And pinhead is obviously one of the more, you know, bankable characters of these movies. And the decision was always going to anger people. Why? I don't really know. Cause you haven't even watched, you haven't even watched it. You don't even know. So give it a fucking chance. And on top of that, like the, the, the way the character written in the novella, it's not, there's like no gender assigned to the, to the character anyway. So like the only thing you're holding on to is what was put on the screen. And the reason why we got fucking Doug Bradley was because he and Clive Barker were friends, like, and he wanted to, he wanted to work with his friend. It was his first movie. You fucking use your friends in your first movie. It's, it's a tale as old as time. So it just happened to be that Doug Bradley is an amazing fucking actor. And he persisted for, you know, so many sequels after that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think people like to complain on the internet because it gets, you know, it's like they're in their own little echo chambers and they can hear what they want and they can just continue with these angry circle jerks of fucking nonsense that these people get into. And I just, I don't have time for that nonsense. I don't care. Like I, I saw the announcement and I was like, cool. And I kept scrolling. A lot of people need to do that. And even if they're mad, they still should do that. I'm mad at plenty of shit I see. And I just like, uh, I get it. I get a, You know, I get that initial. I got to say something. And I'm like, why? Fuck for like, I've been burned on both ends plenty of times for saying something positive and or negative. I'm, just, I'm done with it. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, we should wait till the movie comes out before we judge this. You know, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, I'm, I'm going to see the movie. And I'll judge it then. I have never once in my life thought Pinhead better stay a man or I'm going to be pissed. I've, yeah. never, I've never given a shit. And for those who are that upset, like, keep in mind, HBO is doing a show. So, Jesus Christ, you have two options coming out. Like, just pick which one you'd rather see. Or here's a third one. Don't fucking watch it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know? Like, let's be honest and look at the history of this franchise anyway. I feel like they can only go up because for once we have two different versions of this film being made by fans, people that want to make it, not a company trying to retain the rights. So right there, we're in good hands right off the bat. Yeah. I'm, you know, this will obviously Hellraiser, the new one, will be a part of sneak preview next year. And uh, we'll judge that accordingly. And if the series looks good, we'll watch that too. Uh but as far as, you know, Jamie Clayton, I wish her the best. I know that she's going to have a shit ton of, you know, negative feedback to deal with over this. 
and I just I hope it doesn't disparage her or damage her performance. Let it be known that Filmgasm supports the decision in a movie being produced by Clyde Barker. That's right. I'm Connor Izagari, and I support this message. Based off his fucking novella. Yes, it's his book. Let him do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> oh, so this next one is kind of fascinating, probably bullshit, but still, you know, we're talking about. Uh, we're updating our episode on David Fincher's Zodiac with an odd bit of news. A group of ex-law enforcement professionals called the Case Breakers, like they're the fucking Ghostbusters or something, claim that they've uncovered new evidence that identifies the Zodiac killer as Ted Cruz. It really was him. Who knew? I, can't, I couldn't believe it myself. No. Uh, Gary Francis Post, a retired Air Force serviceman and house painter who died in 2018. According to the Case Breakers, it just, I cringe just saying it. I don't, I don't like that, Case Breakers. Uh, it's like those ghost, the knockoff Ghostbusters guys in Supernatural. Ghost, ghost Facers. Facers. God, I was like, what the fuck was their name? Yeah, they should have their own goddamn theme music. Uh, so according to these guys, Post had similar forehead scars to a sketch of the Zodiac Killer. And uh, Post's name could be found in the Zodiac's coded messages if you rearrange the, the letters a certain way. Uh the FBI is considering this circumstantial at best, does not consider it to be a real break in the now 53-year-old cold case. Uh, I, this went crazy, uh, viral when it came out, but now after the storm died down, everyone's like, this is bullshit, right? <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I, don't, I don't think anything substantial is going to come out that's going to positively identify especially if you're trying to say this picture looks like this drawing get the fuck out of here like oh and really the, the guy's name pops up when you rearrange the letters in the fucking cipher this guy wrote like come on seriously um i i will admit i got a little swept up in the hype i was like no shit oh my god and then i started looking at the article and i was just like mm, the who Man, nah, like you can't you can't give yourself a name like that because you a you all know that they said that shit out loud and they're like, that's so cool. We got to put that on T-shirts. Like, get, get lost. Um, yeah, it definitely makes for a fucking snappy headline. Um, I think the funniest thing that came out of it was from a person who runs an account um, where they make memes based off of. Uh, last podcast on the left episodes mm -hmm. and one of the, the one thing he popped up was a was a cipher with the drawing of the uh, zodiac in his executioner's gear and it's like this picture is now just going to be fucking gary <laughs> <laughs> gary the infamous multiple murderer gary <laughs> yeah, it just it just doesn't have this the same punch, you know. It's like I'm the Zodiac, I'm like I am Gary, and I'm gonna kill him. Like it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not scary. Yeah. I mean, look at BTK, or as he's known, <clears throat> as he's known to the rest of the world, Dennis. <laughs> you know, you got to have that moniker. No one's gonna take you seriously if your name's Dennis or Gary, and you're. It doesn't matter yeah. if you're killing people. You're a joke. You ever read his poetry? Oh God, no. But I believe you. it'll make you feel so good about your writing. I'll just put it like that. If you ever need a boost, go look that shit up. <laughs> it, it is funny to read. 
Oh, God. I'll keep that in mind. Um, so odds are the case breakers, who are you going to call, did not case break breakers. the case. <laughs> Which seems like it's their one job. Uh, they didn't do it. We will probably never know who the Zodiac killer was. He's probably been dead for years. And uh, there, that's all there is to it. Anytime you see Zodiac killer identified, it's either, you know, some wannabe sleuth trying to grab a headline or some jackass who's pissed at his dad. So, yeah, sucks, but still thought it'd be worth talking about. Yeah, the key to this is let's just see, wait for like the FBI to maybe actually say something. Yeah, not, if it comes from them, then then check it out. Yeah, may not case breakers because like I mean, like Josh, I got swept up. I was like, oh my god, no way! Because you, I know you, you texted me, and I was like, oh yep. no way! I swept and I you up, and I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I read the article, and I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't add up. And then like not a day later, I saw the next article saying FBI disclaims case breakers. I was like, huh, I wonder why. Oh, case breakers! I can't get over that. It's ridiculous. It's like, you know, some babysitter's club bullshit, like some young adult series of novels. I feel like that's a group of people that when they saw that picture of the dude with the fucking scar, that they're like, that's why it was on Zodiac. I wonder if they had, like, names like fucking Voldemort on there. Like, could it be Voldemort? He has a scar. <laughs> Don't be crazy. It's a fucking Zodiac killer. Reminds me of that scene in The Dark Knight where they, they show, like, the, the, the bulletin board that says, like, potential Batman suspects, and it's, like, Abraham Lincoln, Bigfoot, David Copperfield. <laughs> or it's like that scene in Always Sunny when Charlie has the board with the lines and everything. And he's losing his, losing his mind. That's the case breakers solving this fucking case. Pepe Sylvia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it took a few watches for me to realize that he's trying to say Pennsylvania, but he can't read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Thanks, case breakers, for making me laugh. I can't wait to hear them like take on, you know, like the New Orleans Axe Man or some other unknown, you know, unsolved murders. No, they're going to be the ones that fucking unmask Jack the Ripper. You heard it here first. It's going to happen. It's going to be the fucking case breakers. I think the case breakers should take a left field and finally confirm lizard people. <laughs> I just want them un- I just want them completely unstamped like unstamped uh unsubstantiated. <laughs> Like I want them to take on every every conspiracy with absolutely zero proof, but total conviction. I think that would be awesome. Every day, something new. Like face of Mars, yeah, it's some big alien lizard's face. You want proof? Later. <laughs> trust me. Trust me on this. <laughs> how much do you think? How many times do you think they te- they said that to the news? No, trust me. Trust me on this. We're the case breakers. You got to believe us. It's in our title. Oh, God, I love it. So, love the rewind. Uh, Halloween. This version of Halloween is the most successful attempt to revive the franchise. Following the two Rob Zombie-helmed remake films in 2007 and 2009, which did not amount to a third film. Uh, Produced by Blumhouse and by John Carpenter himself, Halloween's main idea came from screenwriters Danny McBride and David Gordon Green, who were hardcore fans of the franchise. They're the ones who convinced Carpenter that this could be something special. They chose to ignore all the films in the franchise except the first one, making it a direct sequel. Started a trend that many horror franchises are attempting, including Texas Chainsaw and The Exorcist. Uh, So first thoughts, Halloween 2018. Uh, You guys remember when you first went and saw this? 
Yeah, it was actually one of the uh, first movies I had seen back in a theater. And like it, it, it had been a while since I got to see a movie in theater. Now, granted, the time before that, I was thinking was I was with Caleb and we had seen um, Thor Ragnarok when we were in Hawaii, which was a lot of fun. Um, and actually, Caleb is involved in this experience because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was babysitting my kids so I could go and watch the movie, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I remember, like, because I really try, and I was talking to Caleb about this before we started recording, I try to keep my, my mind as clear of anybody else's like opinions even if they're just like you know a blurb about the the movie that they saw and stuff like that that comes out from a lot of the media outlets that get it before you know everybody else does and i try not to watch as many trailers or anything like that the things that were really encouraging to me were the fact that john carpenter was involved and he was very supportive of the idea and he was also writing the music those those things and jamie lee curtis was was on board and she was she she wasn't just doing this for a paycheck because she didn't need to and those were definitely very encouraging to me um and i i i really didn't believe when i i did read anything about it where the where david gordon green and danny mcbride were saying well we're totally ignoring everything that happens and then when you watch the movie, they're clearly borrowing ideas and and things from other movie from other sequels. And you're just like, well, why would you do that? Hmm. Um, and I'll bring it up as it comes along. But overall, I I did enjoy it the first time, and I and I watched it again today, and I still have I still have my gripes. Um, then again, I'm, I don't know what idea you can, what story you can come up for this movie that doesn't have some things in there that just serve a functional purpose, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, things have to happen to get Michael and Lori to confront each other in the third act. That, of course. And it doesn't always make the best sense. It's not always the best judgment. But I think you just got to enjoy the ride because we've seen rock bottom with the Halloween franchise. And it's nice to have something that that's, you know, got a lot of love put into it. Yeah. Um, with this one, I, you know, I saw in theaters, like I do a lot of movies cause I'm single and whatnot. So I had, I always, I got nothing better to do in my life. Um, but you know, I remember the lead up to this. I was kind of like Josh, like I, when they first announced it and it was announced that David Gordon Green was directing and Dan McBride was, was um, writing it. I wasn't like you, but I was like, okay, interesting choice because you know they were known for comedy. I was like, but I like both these guys, especially Danny McBride, and they were coming off as big time fans of this franchise in the interviews. And you know, again, like Josh said, they convinced both Jamie Lee Curtis and John Carver to come on, not as a paycheck gig, but like genuinely excited by the script and what they did. So then that's when my excitement started to raise, like, okay, this might be something special. Um and, you know, obviously the format's been copied now. Ad nauseum with the let's skip everything and just be a sequel to that original film. But this was like the one that just really did it well. 
And yes, you know, again, they do. Yeah, they have elements of the other sequels in it, but I always felt like that was them trying to show in their fandom and finding a way to, yeah, storyline wise, or skipping the sequels, but we can at least homage elements and give that to the fans and a nice little for those the long timers that have been watching this year from the beginning. Oh, this is just one of their favorite franchises and they've been watching all of them. So I I went in real excited and I walked out mostly happy. Um I had, you know, watching in day one element has slowly grown on me that it was kind of like iffy for me at first. It just felt more like what we were talking about, like a, a more for plot advancement, less for story, but it's grown on me a little more. I don't mind it as much. But I mean, overall, this is definitely by far one of the best fucking sequels in the entire franchise. Very good. Very good. I'm glad you ended with that because I was starting to think, like, am I the only one who really enjoyed this? <laughs> That's weird. But um, I had the coolest experience seeing this at the movies. I was working at Alamo Draft House at the time uh, with Austin. And uh, one of our managers dressed up as Michael and just hid himself around the building, scaring the shit out of customers and employees. And that was nice. And then uh, opening night, I went and saw it and they did a whole like Halloween montage thing of like, you know, it is time. It's like, it's here. Happy Halloween. And the whole theater went dark and a lightning, like a fake lightning strike and a spotlight shone on the, at the, at the front of the theater. And Michael was standing there and everyone went crazy. And then they did like some, you know, goofy, like light shit and Michael vanished and it was like, go oh, shit. So they went all out with Halloween at my theater and I just was so happy. And then I enjoyed every second of this movie. I, it's very close to being my favorite. I praise. <laughs> yeah, I praise. Uh, and I've heard pretty decent things about Halloween kills. I'm trying not to dig too much into it just so I can manage my own expectations. But from what I've heard, people like it. So, I've heard really good things from the horror sites. Yeah. Uh, it's the non-horror sites, obviously, they're picking it apart. And then people, yeah. I guess, that aren't aware of those are those are Halloween ends coming out. Going, they don't answer all the plot threads, and it just kind of ends. And I'm like, well, yeah, there's a third one coming out. Yeah, this <laughs> like, is an Empire Strikes Back situation. There's a there's a finale. <laughs> yeah, it's like calm down, It'll be okay. Uh, and that's just an example of people who don't know horror movies shouldn't be covering horror movies like there was i i can't remember the dipshit that that wrote it um this guy wrote a terrible article about a movie that had just come out um fuck oh god damn it now i'm just gonna lose my mind anyway um yeah just totally like shit the bed and really like showed his hand that he has no idea what the hell he's talking about. And he got roasted online. It was really funny. Um, yeah, just stay in your lane. Like, and I don't say that in a confrontational way, but I also, I'm not going to be the kind of person that's going to go out and try and find, you know, the latest thing, you know, Oscar buzz news. Cause that's just not my jam. So I'm not going to go for it. I'll just, I'll leave that for other people who are enthusiastic about it. Let them have fun with it. I'm going to hang out in the gutter where all the other horror fans are and I'll enjoy myself. Um, yeah. Um, whenever, whenever we start digging into this thing. And again, like I said, a lot of these 
are just very, uh, very minimal things. Um, and it probably could have been mitigated if they didn't use words like ignore the sequels, because you can still make a direct sequel to the first movie because this, this franchise alone has jumped around in continuity so many times already that it doesn't even matter. And you should just use what you want because even if you're not, you know, directly referencing it, you're still, you still have all that stuff to mind for, for something. Um, Yeah. I think they, you know, I agree. Ignore the sequels, maybe not the best phrasing, but considering how convoluted and out of like, you know, hard to follow this franchise is, I think they just mind what they could, you know, work into a narrative that made sense, which was, Fine. I'm glad they cut out the whole brother sister shit. I thought that was totally. I, I always hated that subplot. I mean, John Crawford uh, hates that subplot. So, yeah, he wrote it for the money, and he's like, probably shouldn't have done that for 40 years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I like I like this one, but I agree that uh, if you don't like horror movies, why are you why are you here? Like, why are you reviewing this? Like, I was. I was reading some early reviews on the new Ghostbusters um, Afterlife. And most of them were like, you know, a wonderful nostalgia trip, a cool reinvention of the franchise, mostly positive. And then there was this one review that called it a messy, bloated corpse of a movie. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, dude, what? Like, did it kill your mother? Like, what is this? And the guy was just like, you know, why would you bother mining this? And it's just like, you know, it's. I was just so cold and i'm like what you clearly don't even like ghostbusters so like why did you bother yeah you know it's funny you know talking about like okay like this reviewer that you know just wanted to go after ghostbusters which is something i know adam green has talked about in the movie crypt like that that reviewer that just for some reason feels the need to attack you personally like you hurt them yeah um um but also talking about staying in your lane uh i told you already but i know i haven't told josh when I went to go back, when I went to go see Venom, let there be carnage. You know, they played the trailer for Halloween Kills, and as soon as the trailer ends, and it's not like this woman's like going after me. It's not like she saw my tattoos in the theater when I'm attacking this human being right now. She just happened to be seeing on me and happened to be a loud, cranky old lady, I guess. And as soon as the trailer ends, I just hear, "Stupid, stupid! Why would they make another one? Hasn't he died already? This is just oh god, so stupid! Why would they do this?" I'm like, "Okay, lady, calm down." Colin's like, it's like any other franchise in Hollywood. It's making money. It's successful. The horror fans can have their franchises too, just like the action fans have theirs, and the comedy people have theirs. Horror has it too. <laughs> Did you guys ever watch Arrested Development? I haven't. Yeah, it's been a while. That made me think of uh, Tobias and his like never nude people when he's like, there are dozens of us, dozens. <laughs> just picturing a horror uprising of like we will not be silenced <laughs> i always fucking think of him in those fucking short shorts oh it's been a minute since i want i might want to go back into that it was such a funny show um but yeah it's it's ridiculous that even in this day and age we there's still this like stigma around horror that people just can't get over it's weird like it's the only genre that people have to like 
explain themselves when you tell them that you like horror movies. I don't fucking get it. I don't even explain. I don't have to explain. You got you got someone like me with my tattoo sleeve and my shirts. It's like I'm not explaining shit. This is who I am. Yeah, it's pretty pretty fairly obvious. Like you are who you are. Yeah, but yeah, but it's just you know it's we should you shouldn't have to is the thing. No, and I it's mostly younger horror fans that you know that want to really verbalize and argue. I've noticed, and I'm sure Josh gives me the overground. I don't really argue. I'm like, look, you believe what you want to believe. I don't give a shit. I was like, because I know at the end of the day, you can you can piss on it as much as you want. Considering how the theaters have been this year, and the fact that horror has been one of the most financially successful still at the box office, I don't give a shit. Tell me all you want. My genre films have been doing great at the theaters. Yeah, and I like being able to look forward to Halloween Kills and also look forward to House of Gucci and Belfast and like everything. It's awesome. I wish I had, you know, this cl- this wide a palette in all aspects of my life. Things would be a lot easier. <laughs> I mean, and not only that, like you can fucking suck your teeth and just huff and puff at the, the movies. I'm, gonna, I'm still going to watch them. Yeah. You're not exactly. ruining my day, lady. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I almost want really to tell like, yeah, I almost want to tell her, like, you know, you want to bitch about this, but you're going to do this thing next year where you're bitching about it again because Halloween ends is going to come out. So she just doesn't like your tone and like follows you to every horror movie you go see just to complain quietly behind you. Just purposely gets the seat behind me. Why are they making another one? This, this, this isn't entertainment. This, is, this isn't cinema. Just constantly, really, like, barely, aud- only audible to you. Right. Are they really doing our Friday 13th? That one I might lose my shit on because with how long this legal battle is taking, I would lose my shit. But never mind the fact that she was sitting in a theater waiting for a movie about aliens that are going to fight each other. And that movie trailer was ridiculous. Yeah. Venom is one gruesome death away from being a horror movie. (laughs) So what the fuck? Yeah. Good point. I didn't even think about that. What's she doing there? She also kept her mouth shut when they showed the trailer for No Time to Die. And I was like, I know this is a different genre, but this is the 25th film they're advertising. You get, you get nothing to say about that. This is some bitter grandma who got forced to take her grandkids to see a new superhero movie that she knows nothing about. Yeah. And as soon as the horror film came out, she just got infuriated for some reason. <laughs> ah, I don't know. Oh, maybe Halloween. Why? Maybe her ex-husband left her for like, you know, for Jamie Lee Curtis, for from like for Michael Myers, I was gonna say, <laughs> some guy dressed as Michael Myers showed up to take her husband away, and she never got over it. Like she lost her husband at a Halloween party, <laughs> and it just—I uh, don't know—sounds like the the triple X porn parody in the making. <laughs> oh, it has porn- already been made. Let's be honest; it's probably been made like as much as many times as the regular franchise has. There's a new one every time. Is this true? It's porn 2018. Yeah, makes sense. What's this new one called? Like Halloween stabs or something like that? With a dick. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where to go from Halloween there. comes again. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the night he came on your face. Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. You opened that door, man. I opened the opened do- that door. Yep. And we just walked right in. <laughs> oh, let's move to, let's move on to the casting crew. <laughs> this is oh boy. The film is directed by David Gordon Green. 
whose previous directing credits included George Washington, Joe, The Sitter, Your Highness, and Pineapple Express. Not exactly the guy you'd immediately think of to rejuvenate a horror franchise, but way to go, not Dave. Just, not just rejuvenate a horror franchise. He's becoming one of the biggest names in the genre now. Yeah. He is attached to the Hellraiser HBO show. He's attached to the fucking humongous-ass exorcist still that happened. He was on the recent Joe Bob special, which I still need to watch. Don't kill me, Josh. I'm getting to it. But <laughs> I think that's awesome. You know, he's clearly a fan who got to make his own, you know, Halloween movie and it's paid out in dividends. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does with The Exorcist. Yeah, he talked a lot about that. He talked a lot about how he was the kind of kid that was watching things way too young and kind of had to sneak out and watch stuff. And I I really relate a lot to that. Um, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, when he was on when he was on the show, he was wearing this Frankenhooker T-shirt and Joe Bob asked him where he got it from. He's like, oh, you gave it to me. He was like, what? He was like, yeah, like you had this thing where if you wrote into you, you would, he would send one. He was like, oh, sh- oh, wow. You've kept it all this time. He's like, yeah. So that right there shows you what kind of person he is. And after that night that he was on, I really had a lot more of, a lot more of an appreciation for what he was going for. And <clears throat> even, even with, you know, even with the little nitpicky gripes I have about the movie, um, I like getting to getting to hear from him what he wanted to do and how it came about. It's really fascinating. Yeah, for sure. That sounds awesome. I love that he wore his Joe Bob shirt to the interview. That's fucking great. Uh, you know, you guys keep bringing that up. I might have to maybe just bite the bullet and watch some of those. If you if you want to make it easier on yourself. There is now a Just Joe Bob segments on Shutter, And it's just his segments, if that helps. Just to give you the taste. Um, maybe. Christmas is coming up where I'll have nothing but time. So, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I will say, it definitely from what I'm hearing about this guy and what we're seeing, I felt like he was, he's probably always been a horror fan. He just got really lucky with comedy. And he got really successful with comedy. He understandably kept going, okay. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a job. You got to make money, right? Job's a job. And that's what was making him money. And he finally got his luck when, you know, he teamed up with Dame McBride, who apparently is also a massive horror fan. And they were like, let's see if we can do a Halloween movie. And well, I also, it. I also love that he's, he's a triple threat. You know, he's great in horror, great in comedy. And I saw Joe. He's a fantastic dramatic director, too. Oh, yeah. Joe was a great movie. Like, way to go. This dude is a going to be a major player in the next few years and i'm so excited to see what he what he gives us well fun fact he and danny mcbride went to college together in winston-salem north carolina and it was an art school so they just they made stuff all the time and that's where a lot of their relationship started so the fact that and, and i think he lives in south carolina so the fact that he kind of stays in that area and um, eastbound and down was shot in and in and around Wilmington and Myrtle beach. Um, then you had Halloween kills, which was shot in Wilmington. So like he, he knows what he likes and where he likes to go. And he has a, it, most of most successful, like, and, and, and I don't want to use the label indie, but like 
most directors who are very successful and can find a, a niche usually have the same people with them time and time again. And with like Danny McBride, who's an amazing comedic actor, I've, I've loved everything that guy's been in. He's hilarious. Um, it, it really, it really was a, another side of him that he was showing in coming up with the idea that he and uh, David Gordon Green had for this Halloween. So um, this has definitely been something that that has been in the making for a while. And I'm sure they've talked about it for years. And I think when they finally got the freedom to be able to pitch this idea and get somebody like Jason Blum involved, it was, it was just the, the, the stars were aligning at just the right time. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when this, uh, when it was announced they were doing a new Halloween and they were going to make it a direct sequel to the first one. And then the trailer came out and I was like, holy shit, it's Halloween. Like it feels like Halloween again. And I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be fun. It was like one of the movies I was looking forward to the most in 2018 and kills is the same way. Like after no time to die, this is the the movie I was most looking forward to this year until the Spider-Man trailer hit, of course. But you know, that's, that's its own thing. Uh, Horror icon and scream queen Jamie Lee Curtis returns as battle-hardened Laurie Strode. This is her fifth time playing the character after Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween H2O, and Halloween Resurrection. Some of her other horror performances include Terror Train, Prom Night, and The Fog. And of course, you know, she's done a bunch of other stuff that wasn't horror, Trading Places, True Lies, Fish Called Wanda, Freaky Friday, Knives Out. She's a national treasure, and I'm so glad that she came back for these three films. Yeah, she's she's awesome. Did you ever see the video when uh, the first this film was coming out, the 2018 film, where the at Comic Con the fan came up to uh, to ask a question, but talked about a very traumatic experience of a I think home invasion that he went through, and yeah, yeah. Like, really after he saw the original movie, and he said all I could think was what would Laurie Strode do, and she left and she like left the stage to go hug him. Yeah, she's a fucking she's awesome and. Just as a human, as an actor, I love her. And yeah, enough can't really be said about Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, she's the best. I, I, I love her to death. And I love that she has never abandoned her horror roots. Yeah, she doesn't. She, um, you know, this is where I'd say, like, I get tired when people really try to dismiss horror in this regard. Because it's like, she gives an outstanding performance in this movie. She doesn't ham it up. You can tell she's not, she's not sad to be here she wanted to do this movie and she wanted to give the character justifiable arc but also something for the audience to latch on to with a lawyer showed 40 years later so i yeah yeah i think it's a great depiction of someone you know a ptsd survivor who never you know moved on it's it's a great uh, direction to take this character um Judy Greer plays Karen, Lori's estranged daughter. Greer has appeared in Ant-Man, Jurassic World, War for the Planet of the Apes, and she voices Cheryl Tunt on the TV series Archer. Uh, also Arrested Development, she was the uh, Kitty, George Bluth's crazy secretary who kept flashing everybody. Um, yeah, I think it's also interesting, like there's some comedic actors in this who are playing against type. That's really cool. Judy Greer, for instance. And um, she's good. 
it's always funny when I watch her because I'm like, I love Archer so much, and she's so like sexually explicit with her jokes and that. And you watch her in some like this or the like, Carrie remake or whatever she pops up in Jurassic World, and she's like the complete opposite. And it's always like that little whiplash I have anytime I see her, but I've always loved Trigger. There's just something that I've always liked. Yeah, me too. It's been a minute since I watched Archer. I'm I'm so behind on that. I remember I think the last season I watched was the one where like Oh, what's her name? Pam? Yeah, the big one. Yeah, the big yeah. one. <laughs> Great descriptor, Caleb. Yeah, You're Pam, the, the big one. Uh, she was like, in, she was eating blocks of cocaine and getting like progressively slimmer the whole time. Uh, that's oh, the last yeah. thing I remember. I yeah, just... that was like their Smokey and the Bandit episode. Mm. I just finished watching the newest season thanks to the whole FX on Hulu thing. I was able to watch the new season. Nice. Yeah, I'll get back to that. Uh, cool. So we did a really nice ending to uh, Jessica Walter's character. Oh, yeah. She, she yeah, passed. I forgot about did, that. Yep. They did a very, very nice ending at the end of that season for her. Good. Um, Andy Machiak, Machiak plays Allison, Lori's granddaughter. Uh, she's set to reprise her role in the two upcoming sequels, and she was a relative unknown, uh, which is what they wanted. They wanted to kind of recapture Jamie Lee Curtis in the first film, an, un- an unknown actress who catapulted to stardom. And uh, she's really good, so I'm hoping she has a, a good career after this. So I'm hoping she keeps going places. The only thing I have issues with in this movie is anytime she says grandmother, I don't know why. So I've met no one that calls her fucking grandmother, grandmother. So when she says, I'm like, just say grandma, just say an actual human word. <laughs> yeah. Calling her grandmother to her face. Fuck me. Using your family members, full titles is creepy as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Unless like, you're like, you know, five and figuring it out. <laughs> she comes in the house running from Michael grandmother grandmother and i'm like just say grandma you should have said grandmama that would have been that would have landed grandmama <laughs> she could have been like gam gam or something dumb something dumb <laughs> i'm so sorry that you call your grandmother gam gam <laughs> <laughs> oh good movie i haven't th- i haven't thought about that in a while <laughs> that makes me laugh it's okay we'll just chalk it up to your drinking problem uh, <laughs> um, I don't freak right now. <laughs> Nick Castle returns to play Michael Myers, or the Shape, as he's called in the credits. Castle played Michael in the original Halloween, and also wrote the screenplay for Escape from New York. Because fuck yeah, and, and the last Starfighter. Oh really? Yep. Oh right on. It's awesome. I love that he's an accomplished screenwriter, uh, and that he came back for this. You know, he's not you know Michael during the physical stuff, but he's you know. Bald 61-year-old Michael. He has a cameo in the mask and everything. The scene when she sees him in the second floor uh, window in his reflection, that's Nick Castle. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Ah, I love that. Uh, yeah. I actually, uh, actually got to meet Nick Castle recently. What? Yeah. Yeah. So I snuck away. And I went to a, a, a horror convention and I only did it for one day because I was very hesitant about even going. 
Um, and it was really cool. Um, Ken Forey was there. They also had uh, Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard. Um, freaking Jeffrey Combs was there. And what? yeah, so um, I got to, I got a, it was, I, I, I wish he would have had the original picture, the original set photo from 1978 when he was doing the Dr. Pepper bit, but he had the one where he was on set for the 2018 one and he was doing the Dr. Pepper bit. And I was like, well, I got to get that. So I got that picture. I got him to sign it. And I told him that this movie was my mom's favorite movie. And oh. it was the movie cause she was 20 when it came out. So yeah, she said it scared the shit out of her because, I mean, you know, everybody she's watching is like close to her in age. And so she was really terrified with that movie. Um, it was also like a movie that anytime it came on um, AMC, we would watch it. And she like she like watched it with me a lot when I was a kid. He was like, when's the first time you saw this? I don't know, it was probably like 11 or 12 or something. He was like, wow, you saw that? What? I was like, yeah love it. it's one of my favorite movies it's one of my mom's favorite movies so like anytime i watched it i was I, I immediately thought of her and he was like wow it's like that's really that's really really sweet thank you for sharing that with me i was like hey like thanks for doing what you did I mean, without you we wouldn't have had this so you know full circle um yeah so that was a that was a lot of fun um i really uh i really miss going to horror conventions and hopefully a lot of that can change and be a lot more comfortable going to them on a more uh, like full experience basis. Um, getting to meet um, Ken Forey was really awesome. I got this huge ass poster that he signed and I got to my, I went with my friend Ty and my other friend, Laura, and I got Ty to show Ken a picture of the VCR that he painted the Dawn of the Dead picture on. He was like, holy shit he's like i gotta take a picture of this i gotta show somebody else like this is the, this is the coolest thing i've ever seen you know so yeah like getting to getting to meet him was awesome i was like you're one of my favorite you're like you're you are my favorite character in this movie like i loved you um jeffrey combs was really cool so yeah it was really nice um it was still kind of weird just being amongst a bunch of people and there's plenty of people that weren't masking up and i was just like uh, it was really making me nervous, but we stayed for a couple of hours and just kind of got in and got out. Um, I did get uh, a really awesome uh, t-shirt uh, that was a take from the uh, dream warriors. And it's that scene where Freddie's got his fingers in their hypodermic needles. So it's that, but then it's also straight up a dare t-shirt. So, and it was, it was funny. Somebody asked me, it was like, I was wearing it to a uh, convenience store and this lady asked me like, do you even know what that means? I'm like, yeah, I had dare when I was a kid. And she's like, Ooh, what does dare stand for? And I fucking spit it out. And she was like, Oh, I, I didn't think you knew it. I'm 38 lady. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? I had this shit hammered into me when I was like nine years old, get off my back. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, I got to meet the original shape. Okay. That is awesome. That is that all of that was fucking awesome. (laughs) That's that's why going to horror conventions is fun. And I'm telling you it for me, sadly, I won't be able to do it next year, but 
but we we all have to go. I'm, and I'm, I want to make it happen. Fucking, we all need to hit up Texas Frightmare because that is one that I really, really, really want to go to. Don't worry, I'll go next year for you in your honor. Fuck you. <laughs> Just give me something you want signed. I'll make sure to get signed for you. Yeah. Well, if I, if I'm if I'm of available, don't worry. We'll we'll, we'll communicate. And I'll make it happen. But yeah, no, I definitely want to do that. Because even if you've never been to a convention of any kind before, Connor, going to a horror convention, it's it's so something else. So yeah. much fun. I've done Comic-Con a few times, but I, I, I did a, a very small horror convention in San Antonio like eight years ago called MonsterCon. That was very minimal. I don't even think they had guests. And uh, I was kind of like, well, this kind of blows, but I got to do the right ones. And I know you guys know the right ones. So definitely, yeah, I'm in. So we did a Cryptogon in Seattle, and that was so much fun. We did it twice. First time, one day, second time, all weekend. So much fun. Um, I'm itching to do one when I get over to Utah, big time. Very much itching to do one on the East Coast, because I know the East Coast has a bunch of good cons. Yeah, they're a little bit more to like to drive to. Um, you're, you're looking at like there's one in Maryland that they go to. If you want to go farther, there's one in Jersey. Um, there's at least one in North Carolina. Uh, there's even one in uh, Tennessee that they have. And there is one in the town that I'm living in right now in Williamsburg. Um, its main function is like a charity. It's called Scares at Care. Um, but they still do guests and they still all that stuff. But a lot of the proceeds from the ticket sales and stuff like that go to a charity that like helps out people with um, medical conditions and, and things like that. So it's pretty cool. I'd be down for that. I'm, I'm itching cause like Crypticon, you know, got shuffled around this year. And then like when they shuffled it, they did it to September and I left in August. So I was like, fuck. So. <laughs> well, one day, the cons will return and it'll be glorious. They will, you know, as long as, you know, people can just do their part, but you know, that's a different discussion for another day. Yeah. I bitch enough about that in my day to day. This is I'm, recess. I'm, I I need to, yeah, I need to escape it with what I've texted you, but I've briefly texted Josh. Yeah. Not my time here. Josh is mainly on the let's not talk about politics at Thanksgiving text. I did talk to my parents about that today. <laughs> I am looking forward to a quiet, nice, enjoyable Thanksgiving with people who think exactly the same as I do. It's I'm looking forward to living with Josh where I know I can be who I am and and all that good stuff. So now I'm looking forward to it, buddy. I mean, you're you're screwed for at least a year anyway, so might as well enjoy it. It's true. Um, Halloween has an IMDb score of 6.5, Rotten Tomatoes score of 79%. It was a massive hit, grossing $255 million on a budget of about $10 million, which is just fantastic. Two sequels are on the way, Halloween Kills, which comes out this Friday, and Halloween Ends, which comes out October 2022. So we're getting more, a lot more. It ends. Yeah, let's be honest here. <laughs> Nothing ends in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to find, like, to see how they get out of this one. You know, like, did he switch the body in the ambulance? Like, 
was it not really him who was decapitated? Uh, like, did was Ben Tramer the one that got hit by a car? Like, how's this going to go down? Well, the whole head decapitation thing is really uh, not sitting right with you still, isn't it, buddy? It's just so stupid. It's so stupid and avoidable that they, they could have figured anything out, but that Michael in like the five minutes he, of free time he had in the ambulance swapped out his clothes, cr- crunched the guy's windpipe, put the mask on, and then just let it ride. Hey, look, you take, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, okay? Rolling the dice, hoping something like that was going to happen. And as we've we've seen with this guy through countless movies, things always turn up, Michael. You've got a future in Hollywood. (laughs) If four franchises have taught me anything, it's actually good to be the villain, because apparently you just... Life is good for you. You always come back to life in the most insane way possible. Yeah. You're the one who gets the Funko Pop. You're the one that kids dress up at for Halloween. You know, I have a Michael Myers Funko Pop. Do they even make a Lori Funko Pop? I Probably know. not. Probably not. Probably not, but I'm sure they're thinking about it. <laughs> they should. I know I'm getting a Fright Rags action figure of Lori that should come eventually. Nice. Good for you. I love those eventual eventual gifts. Yeah, they're having uh, manufacturer overseas issues. I, I read their latest pre-order update, so hopefully it's coming soon. Um, um Bob action figure. Oh, still waiting on that one. Yeah, <laughs> and RC. I remember you telling me about that a while ago. So keep yeah. me updated. I will. I'll be very excited when they get in the mail. Nice. Um. So. Highlights of Halloween. I just want to point out that this so far is my favorite version of the theme song. This is my this has my favorite score of the Halloween franchise. So far. Yeah, it's it's definitely the highlight of the movie for me. Um, I think that was what was really like guiding me throughout. Not only that, it was Carpenter really like leaning into the score from the first film and playing with it and doing doing different things with it but still keeping a lot of the same notes like there were there were parts where he would like intentionally like slow down the the piano to like the da 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 like but it was still the same theme and it's it's one of those really great things about music in film and repetition and how it just constantly is looping through your brain and it just becomes this earworm. And I don't, I didn't realize this until I had uh, listened to Jamie Lee Curtis on another podcast that you actually might be interested in Connor. It's called the King cast. And it is all about Stephen King uh, books and films and the two guys who, who do it, uh, Scott Wampler and Eric Vespi are really knowledgeable about their King shit. And they have a celebrity guest that comes in. And right now they started a run of folks from Halloween kills. So Jamie Lee Curtis was their guest uh, on this past episode. And then Judy Greer is going to be the next one. And in that um, the song that she is singing in the original Halloween um, at the beginning they remixed the song, had somebody else cover it, 
and it's playing on the radio when the dad and his kid are pulling up to the crash bus. My God, that is insane attention to detail. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't even notice that the first time I watched the movie. And then when Jamie Lee said, she was like, a lot of people probably aren't going to get it. And I was like, holy fuck. When I watched it today, I listened and I heard it and I was like, oh, shit. It's it's the fucking songs. Oh, my God. So, like, those are the those are the bits of attention to detail that I liked about this movie and how it's it's something that some people would consider a throwaway. And it's and it's not something that immediately springs to your mind when you're like, okay, these are the things that I'm thinking about with Halloween. And the fact that it gets reworked and inserted into this movie, it it just it just sits under the surface until you're actually like your your attention is drawn to it. And then you're like, wow, okay. Well done. Well done. And I, I encourage you to to listen to that episode because she talks a lot about how she came into doing Halloween kills and why she stopped making movies for a while. It's really, really good. I encourage you to check it out. Yeah. King cast. That sounds right up my alley. I'll definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's really cool. Neat. It actually convinced me to find and buy the Marvel comic that they did uh, where it features the lawnmower man. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And I, and I bought it and then like, I, Literally on Twitter, I sent out pictures of the entire uh, story in the comic because the guys were like, we've only ever seen a few pictures of this. Like, can you can you send us some and we'll just like push it out through our channels? I'm like, oh, dude, I'll fucking show the whole thing. I don't give a shit. And so I did. I just made an entire thread and they were like, this is big news, guys. You need to see this shit. So Scott, Eric. Thank you very much for that. And I'm plugging you guys right now. So check them out. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah. 100% King cast. Cool. Very cool. I just picked up a copy of sometimes they come back. I found it on DVD. I'm anxious to check that out. I've never seen it. Oh, King always loved doing King. Um, one of my favorite things about how this film gets started is that it's podcasters who essentially fuck this all up. And that just makes me happy. You, you, you know why. Yeah, I know. I know why you like it. That's that's one of the things I'm just like, nice fucking idiots. Like, yeah, I know why. I know why. It's because like it's, it's the one thing that can really like set it in the reality of like now it's like modern times because yeah. essentially like most of the other movie, like you don't really know really specifically other than, you know, they have cell phones, but that could really place it almost at any point really <clears throat> and so yeah that's the thing where i'm just like these people are just serving a purpose and especially right at the beginning and and that was where like i had my hardest time getting into it when i first watched it and i was like who are these jerk offs like why why do i care about them and then when the doctor shows up to him like oh fuck i was like who the fuck is it and then before he could even say anything about who he was. And when I was like, you're the fucking Dr. Loomis of this fucking movie. I know it fucking know it. And he, he was a weird one. Cause like, I, I wasn't really sure how I felt about him. I couldn't really put my finger on it, but I was like, something's weird about this dude. 
he seems like he's got way more than a, a, a clinical interest in Michael Myers. You know, I felt like he had a little bit of a boner for him. And <clears throat> yeah, he sure did. Yeah. Caleb, you can you you can butt it in at, at any time, please. So, I was just gonna let you keep, keep rambling. I was like, gonna let you keep rambling. Uh, <laughs> and then I started laughing because uh I don't know. I mean, I was showing Connor the rest of the Halloween franchise. We had this running joke about Loomis actually like seeking out Michael Myers for sexual reasons. He just had a, a sexual obsession, and Connor kept doing a great fucking Lewis voice that was cracking me up. I could not watch the movie with a straight face. <laughs> oh my god. I haven't thought about that. Oh my god. That was great. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, in our in our in his plotline, Michael's running from Lewis, so he isn't getting like molested by Lewis anymore. Um, but it was it's hard to explain. <laughs> but we kept it going for like four movies. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but uh on Halloween 2018. Um, so like okay, the podcasters, I'm kind of with Connor. I was actually kind of I liked how they did that in that it felt like a very modern way to take it because it would be some dumbasses that are that into the story and what happened that night, yeah, to help cause this yeah. be a cog in the machine when we get the ultimate reveal of what happened. So that part I wasn't bothered, it made sense to me, and I know. It, you could tell they weren't. They needed a body count of some type for this movie. And that, that was like, okay, let's at least get these two people involved. When I I mentioned earlier about a, a plot element that I've kind of wound up to now, the more I've seen it, I was act, I was talking about fucking Doctor Sartain, or say his name. Because when I first saw it, he really stuck out in a slightly negative way to me, where I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm really on board with this character, and it it just feels like a major fucking way to get us to a you know that inevitable conclusion but again I, I've, I mean i've seen this film 10 or so times now it's it's warmed up on me a bit more i'm still not fully on board with it but i like it more than i did the first time yeah i think you know the whole reasoning behind you know numis is that we gotta he's gotta get michael where he needs to be he he's a plot device entirely even you know they he he, he feels like Donald Pleasant's light, even, and we, I, you know, you knew that from the beginning. I, I didn't have a problem with it. It didn't, you know, it didn't damage the movie or anything. It was just like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, were we, were we really that surprised when he, you know, pulled out a, a scalpel and killed Hawkins? I don't think so. And I, I will say this: they gave him one of my more favorite deaths in the movie with that fucking head stomp. Oh yeah. Michael had enough. He put his foot down. <laughs> He's not getting molested by a new doctor, that's for sure. Ever again. <laughs> oh boy! <It's... laughs> oh, that, that. Thank you for bringing that back up. I haven't. I, okay. I completely forgot about it. <laughs> I did it because your impression. If you want to try to give one. I oh was pretty damn why, okay. My question is, why didn't you guys record that shit? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. We totally should. I those think we were... those are the kind of moments that would go great for commentary episodes. I'm just yeah. saying. I've been harping about this shit, <laughs> and then, and and those are the kind of roads that I would go down. Fucking for sure. It 
It was just funny because I remember watching the movie and Connor just said the first joke and I died for like 10 minutes. Like I couldn't regain my composure. It was, I thought I'd killed him. It was crazy. I was, I've never seen anyone laugh that hard for that long. It wasn't even that funny. It was just, damn. So just I guess like he it. got to him or something. I think I said, oh, what did I say? I think I was like, your mask is so big, Michael. Something like that. And from there, you were just like gone. I think that was, we, I think it was like Halloween five. We started that on or like one of those yeah (laughs) we just made him a sexual deviant oh i mean that that's that's pretty much like peak like crazy loomis like he's just openly drinking and fucking he's just lost it at that point he's gone full ahab by that point yeah he's attacking children (laughs) he's committing murder like he's not a psychiatrist anymore he's just nuts I think for me, it was like the fair thing is like I've told Hugh Connor for years about the, the transformation Loomis makes, like from that first film. I'm like, you know, he's like a nice reserved doctor, but the crazy's nice and head underneath. But like Halloween four and five, all slowly goes out the window with his character, and he's just full on crazy. We need to stop Michael any way we can. So finally having you see that, I was like, oh, okay, is yes, you're witnessing it now. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things made sense to me. Um <laughs> good good times very good times we might you know what if we end up doing some kind of commentary we might have to replicate some of that just to see if we can <laughs> um question do you think Lori crashed the bus no 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 okay. i mean the whole reveal with sartain kind of reveals that he had a plan in motion so he did something with the bus somehow true but then like he seems so surprised at the whole thing like when the you know the cop shows up and like when he gets accidentally shot mm-hmm. and all that well okay you would be a little surprised if a kid shot you i think fair enough but like <laughs> you got you know Lori look like you know possibly drunk waiting outside the the hospital i don't know i think if, if she didn't do it she might have been thinking about it i think i think she was she was she was like, I mean, because the whole time she's she's waiting for this to happen. She's been waiting for this moment to happen for 40 years. And I think it's it's a case of like she kept thinking about it and thinking about it and kind of just it just willed itself into existence. And I think the doctor probably thought that he was more safe than he actually was for some dumbass reason. Like I I don't get it. Like he had, like, I think he was just blinded by his passion for Michael Myers and thought that he would be safe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He ended up fucking getting squashed for his fucking troubles. Well, as Caleb um, and I learned through our marathon, doctors often find a passion for Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that mask, you know, you can, you can really just, See what you want to see in it. Yeah. Well, see those the darkest eyes with that mask. <laughs> You're probably right in that you know Sartain crashed the bus, or well, at least like planned it out. Honestly, he had something planned. I mean, because like I, I, I like said, would he probably put on a show for the cops? As far as getting shot, I mean, that was on him. That fucking idiot. Look, 
you've been spent a good chunk of your life in Texas. I was raised in Texas. But let's just be honest. We know a thing or two about guns. I feel like we all know a thing or two about guns, right? What you should never do is jump out in the open randomly from a go, don't shoot! And surprise the fuck out of him because he's going to fucking shoot you. That's on him. He was a fucking idiot. I was thinking exactly that when that scene happened. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> you should have stayed hidden, said don't shoot from behind cover, so then the kid could have at least had the surprise and then calm down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another thing that really bugs me is the way Karen constantly talks to Lori like she's senile or a child. You know, like, is that the best way to do this, mother? Like, it's the war is full of love and laughter and rainbow, whatever the fuck she says to her mom at the house. I love that she's like, you know, the world is a good, fair place and full of laughter and get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically what I love it. Like, (laughs) well, I I think she she plays the fact that she's really fed up by all of this and she doesn't. She doesn't believe Lori at all that anything like this is going to happen. Yeah. And then when it does, it's, it's really, it's really interesting to see how she makes that turn. And it really comes in just a really weird way. Like I, like I, I wasn't expecting her to come around the, the, the moment she did, but it was like when it did, like she just committed fully to making sure that this plan was executed. Oh yeah, I did. I did like that moment when you th- when she starts crying. She's like, "I can't do it, mom," because you're thinking, "Oh god, damn it! He's he's right there. Fucking take care of it." And the moment he pops up, she just quickly cuts off. And goes, "Got you." And I was like, "I remember watching the first one, going, fuck yeah, that's what I'm talking about." He's a broad guy, had plenty of target, and she like nicks him on the on the shoulder. I was always like, "Fuck." Damn it. <laughs> I mean, look, he's a strong man. He took out that whole hiding island thing. That bit freaked me out more than anything, that he is strong <laughs> enough to rip the fucking door off a panic room. And he was missing three fingers when he did it. So, I mean, or two, he was missing two when he did that. And so. he had been, like, run over, shot, <laughs> stabbed. Like The most, this- you, the most oh. you see Ewing does it is he pauses for, like, a second, kind of, like, looks slightly annoyed. Like it's not breaking and then just goes right back at it. I swear to God, like I have a sound bar. I swear to God, I heard a hmm. <laughs> kind of like a grunt of like, damn it. <laughs> he did that. Like, yeah, I, I love that bit. It just really shows how unstoppable this son of a bitch. He's like, he's like the Kool-Aid man of evil. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, I also find it interesting that Michael has no problem breaking a child's neck but he draws the line at killing a baby. Yeah. You know, and you know, what's funny. I remember when that scene happened I, I, again, you know, the internet being the internet, people were like, Oh, why would he kill the baby? I'm like, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's really look at the franchise as a whole. I was like, technically he never killed the baby. You know, whoever the baby was at the very beginning of Halloween in 1978. It, oh wait, there wasn't even a baby. Cause that's right. They added, but, Throughout the series history, he's not really been a kid killer, except for the literally the one kid in this 2018 one. And if it's his niece, but he's a in the way killer. You know, yeah. there's no in in at least in 78 and 2018, there's no plan here. There's no hunt. It's just whoever is in his way is gonna die. 
Yeah. And I mean, because I mean, think about it. In the original film, he never went after Tommy. He never went after Lindsay. Like, he never bothered with them. He just went after the babysitters. So it's like, yeah, they, this kid was in the way. The kid had a gun, was looking for him. He took care of business. The baby's just there. He's not going to worry about the baby. He's going to just keep leaving. And also, this rating skyrockets to X the second Michael Myers plunges a kitchen knife into a crib. Yes, yeah. I want to. I want to see the film in theaters. So yeah, I I don't care if he didn't kill the baby. It does not bother me one bit. It doesn't. I just find it interesting that like not five minutes earlier he strangled a kid and cracked his neck and like with one hand. Yeah, and I, honestly, I was surprised they even did that. I remember watching it in theaters, going, "Oh shit, he just killed the kid." I wasn't. I wasn't expecting this to happen. I love the scene like Michael's first like killing spree after he gets his mask, gets his. His jumpsuit, he's ready to go. It's Halloween night, and he's got his own metaphorical bag of candy. And the music kicks in, and he's just, like, walking from house to house, killing everybody, uninterrupted takes. I love that. The uh, the bit of score there is called The Shape Returns, and it's just it's such a perfect scene. I like, uh, the, uh, I like the musical scene that starts it with the kids, and they're, you know, walking along the sidewalk, and as soon as they bump into him, they yeah. start up the original um, theme with that stinger. And I was like, oh. And yeah, they do that nice long under uninterrupted take of him just fucking in back into business, just killing whoever he wants. I don't know why, but it makes me laugh when the kids are like, "Oh, excuse me, sir." <laughs> just, completely and Michael's oblivious. just like not even paying attention. <laughs> Actually, thinking of like kids in this franchise, I have I want to give a shout out to the the one that uh, I think it was Vicky babysits Julian. Yeah. He cracks me up every fucking time I watch this movie. Send Dave. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was he was funny. Now I'm sitting there with my nasty ass toenails. I love that when Michael stabbed Vicky, he's just like, oh shit, and runs out. <laughs> smartest smartest guy in the whole damn franchise. Just like, fuck this. <laughs> Even told Dave, he's like, Dave, you're out here, you're going to die. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's 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 awesome. One scene that always makes me laugh, I love that you can see McBride and Green's, you know, comedy roots throughout this movie. There's so many little moments, like the two cops and the Bon Me sandwich. I, I find that scene absolutely hilarious. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Just like he made him a peanut butter and jelly, and he's like, that sounds absolutely disgusting. I will, I will not eat that. And he opens his lunch, and it's a fucking brownie. <laughs> it's a brownie, but I made it home. That's it's like a, what a five-year-old would pack if he could pack his own lunch. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Also, like, thinking about, like, you know, when we talk about, like, a, a little bit of that comedy, but talking about how they homage, at the very least, other elements of this series, even though it's a direct sequel to the original, I did like that little quick line when the guys, Dave was like, yeah, wasn't he, like, her brother or something? And immediately, now that's just something they made up throughout the years. Like, just that quick little, like, throw, like, yeah, no, this isn't, this is not that sequel. This is directly following that first film. Yeah. Smart. Smart. And then also they make you hate Dave by him going like, you know, just a few people getting stabbed isn't really a big deal when there's real things happening out there in the world. Like, fuck you, man. Right there. I'm like, I can't wait to see Michael kill him. Look, man, he was just living for that tri fuck that night. Oh, there's so many douchebags in this movie. Her uh, Allison's boyfriend, God, what a prick! Yeah, so supposedly I, I know you don't listen to it, but the horror curse guys, Trace, 
on Twitter point out that there's a deleted a scene they deleted that supposedly like he grabs he grabs the phone right after and runs back to her and gives it back and apologizes and like it was like a quick little towards redemption I guess because they realized they had plans for him in the sequel but it got cut out. Good. I think it's good that it got cut out. I want to see him die in part two, and I want to be happy about it. Yeah, same. <laughs> uh, plus, how does how exactly is that going to work cinematically? Like, you just chuck your girlfriend's phone in a bowl of pudding, and then she walks away, and you clearly drunk are just like, "I didn't mean it, babe," and run after her. <laughs> like that wouldn't have worked. No. I think the bigger question we have to ask here is. Why do they have a bowl of pudding at a party? In like a back room. Like yeah, not even in the party zone. What's going on at this high school? So is it just me or did that look really fun? Or am I just getting old? What the party? Yeah. You just haven't been out a lot, and that's all. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> it. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, it's the option you want wanting said out loud. You want to hear the saddest part? This, this is my night out. (laughs) Happy Halloween. (laughs) You know what? Hey, at least you're not uh, the dude's friend, Oscar. I'll give you that much. Oh, God. I chubbed up because the girls were serving him all sexy. What an asshole, the, you know, the secret, like, horny, nice guy friend who's just waiting for his moment. Is there any more seedy son of a bitch? Just waiting in the wings. Like, you could see his face when he saw them get in a fight. He's like, now's my chance. Now's my chance. Like, no, dude, no. No, it's not your chance. Don't even. I really enjoyed the way, like, she, like, just shoved him away and was like, get the fuck out of here. I'm leaving. I don't care what happens to you. And then when he was literally screaming for help, she's like, stop fucking around. Like, what's wrong with you? Well, I love when she, he sees Michael and he's just like, oh, sorry, sir. I'll get out of your yard. I'm just having a bad night. I'm not <laughs> trespassing or anything, dude. We're acting really sketchy right now. I would have laughed if like Michael just broke his silence, like took his mask off, sat down with them. Hey, man. You can't be doing shit like that, all right? Or better yet, doesn't break silence or take off the mask. Just sits down next to him, puts his arm on him, and just gives him kind of a like, hmm. <laughs> like, I, like, kind of a, I get it, kind of, you know, grunt. Like, that should be this film. Like, if you're just a sad sack enough, Michael won't kill you, and that's almost more insulting. Oh, that would be so great. He just, he's so <laughs> pathetic. He's not worth his time. That would have been so great. It just shoves him down and fucking kicks dirt on him and walks away. <laughs> oh my god! I wish. Oh, that that should have happened. Okay. With that said, I did really like the whole motion light um, sequence. So that was awesome. That was smart. That was cool. I like that. Um, I I do love. We talked about it already a little bit, but I want to elaborate. The bit where Doctor Sartain gets his head crushed by Michael is just so. And then I think his that's where the jack-o'-lantern comes from, right? It's his head. No, no, no his head is one of the cops' heads. He hollowed out another head? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Dude, I, I always thought that was Dr. Sartain. I didn't realize it was one of the cops. No, no he is incredibly efficient with the with, with the time he has. 
Yeah. What is he? How do you do? Like, what is he doing with that? Just like man, carving it up, look, like yeah. shaking out the contents. Look, he he's had 40, 40 years to perfect his fucking arts and crafts techniques. Okay. <laughs> That's true. If there's one thing Michael should know how to do, it's carve a goddamn pumpkin. <laughs> I mean, that's your thing, right? Halloween's your night. You should live for this shit. I I do want to say, like, the gore in this film is some of my favorite in the entire franchise. Like, oh, thinking yeah. about, like, the head stomp and what he did to that one cop in, like, you know, five seconds, apparently. And, like, I love how the film doesn't show a lot of it, like, in detail as it's happening, but you see it after, like, at the gas station. You see Michael doing that, you know, killing that one dude in the background for, like, a second, but then, like, you don't see anything else until they show the shot of the dude's, like, jaw all fucked up on the counter. Yeah, that was crazy. Ruthless. And toothless. <laughs> huh. and, you know, hey, like we said, Michael, you know, he was locked up for 40 years, man. He was making up for lost time. <laughs> One of my favorite deaths is um, his dad, Ray, Mr. Peanut Butter on My Penis. He no one gives a shit about after yeah. he dies, apparently. He gets he gets choked out by Michael, shoved in a cabinet. Nobody cares. Nobody ever brings him up. Nobody ever mourns dad. Just nobody even no, I don't no, think no, notices he's dad. gone. They want to say dad should be father. <laughs> <laughs> There's no time. There's no time. Like even when Karen was coming down the stairs, she's like, Where's Ray? It's like, shut the fuck that guy. He's dead. No, 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 no. We have to focus on what's really important right now. Yeah, I'll say this. It'll be really like, it'll be more noticeable if they don't do anything about it in the sequel. It's just like, even in their downtime, they're just like, yeah, fuck that guy. He's dead now. They're going to say something of like, you know, we found Ray's body in the closet, like, sorry, or something like that. And they're just like, oh, you mean father is dead? Grandmother, did you hear? (laughs) Father is dead. What will mother think? so weird um i do love the constant throwbacks in the in the final act when Lori and michael are having their cat and mouse game but this time you know they're like Lori gets thrown off the roof and disappears and michael's like where is she like it's flipped and i really like that i thought that was cool i would have loved to just see michael like hand go or something i'm just like god damn it using my move Trademark wow. MM 1978. What the fuck are you doing, Lori? <laughs> well, they did. They did a lot of that. There was a lot of that. Like in the in the beginning, the the whole walk through the graveyard, straight up from 1978. The you know, him, him walking, uh, him walking through the town is you know pulling straight, or at least or at least calling back to it. I know. I, I, I it's it's done in such a way that it's not like it's not them saying so much like we're we're doing basically like a shot for shot remake of the movie it's like we're they're they're almost like calling back to these moments and using them in a familiar way but you know packaging it yeah yeah like the uh, the classroom scene where they're talking about fate and then it's lori outside is all straight from the original film isn't PJ Souls the teacher also? I think I think so. I don't know. I think I, I read that. PJ, me and Josh met PJ Souls. Super nice lady. Oh, that's nice. That's cool. I I've met Bruce Campbell. That's the only horror icon I've uh, I've met and got to chat with. And that was awesome. 
Yeah, and that was and that was after obliterating somebody in nerd trivia. So that's right. That's even cooler. I did meet him one time previous at a signing for his new book, and I brought my S Smart badge, and he signed it, and he told me to shop smart, and it was one of the coolest moments of my life. Oh, you said it! You said it! <laughs> I remember when uh, PJ PJ Schill said totally to me. Which was just, says that to everybody. Yeah. You're not special. I know. Fuck you. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> Same. My, cool, all right. <laughs> um, one of my favorite visuals is after they finally beat Michael and they lock him in the basement and like they pull the 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 tab and the, the spikes shoot out and he's trapped down there. Just him like w- patiently standing there staring at them. Just like probably thinking like, I'm going to get out of this. Like, yeah. all right, I'll just wait. Even when everything gets, you know, set on fire and there's like, you know, fire behind him. He doesn't even flinch, doesn't move. Just staring them down with those blank eyes. It's like, you know that this isn't over. I want to <laughs> see like a video of him just like, biding his time down there like what's he doing in his free time he's just like playing solitaire by himself <laughs> how else him. do you play solitaire Caleb? <laughs> by, by yourself it's in the name or with, <laughs> with someone two player solitaire right, you figure the, I've never heard of that <laughs> it probably doesn't I, you know what I won't laugh if it does exist but it doesn't exist I would Just love if you make them up in your head doesn't mean that they exist. That's true. What if someone's like, I've played it? I'm like, I was kidding. I don't know who you are, sir. I would love if, you know, right as soon as Lori and friends take off, Michael drops character and is just like, fuck, and starts like pounding fire out of his arm and shit. It's just like trying to figure out a way out there. It's all like a, a character in private. He's just some guy. It's all part of the, like, you know, He's like the biggest method performance in, in history. After he kills, you know, the firefighters in the opening of the new movie, he just goes, oh, my God, it was so hot down there. He takes off the mask and is just like, Phew. he doesn't say anything, but just gives like a, oh, and then puts it back on and goes to town. <laughs> That's if, you know, they keep it in the scene because fuckheads are trying to. Like, nothing's going to happen. Come on. God, God. That is one of the most insane things I think I have seen this week. You know what? Pull the movie briefly for like two days, add in more firefighter death, and then release it on like Saturday. <laughs> it's just, God damn it. The fact that that's a petition. We don't want to see firefighters die at the beginning of Halloween Kills. And don't see Halloween Kills. Yeah. Go see The Last Duel and shut the fuck up. I'll go watch the new James Bond movie or Venom. They're both still doing incredibly well, which means they're going to be playing in theater still. Yeah. Do it. Or better yet, stay home because you probably couldn't get anyone to go with you, you miserable bastard. Or watch it on Peacock. You can fast forward. There you go. There you go. It's like it never happened. (laughs) If you didn't see it, it doesn't exist. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) It's nice being not bitter about dumb shit, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> nice to just be excited for stuff and enjoy it. Yeah, feels good. Um, here's some film guys and facts. There was surprisingly not a, a lot of like 
interesting trivia in in IMDb. I was surprised. I had to really pull. Uh, number one, they just filmed this like any other movie. Yeah, <laughs> like there's, there's it was two months worth of filming with some reshoot, some reshoots. Everything went fine. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. The actress of the job. There was a director of Blumhouse and Universal played nice. Everyone was happy. They had the rap party. They went home and then they filmed the next one when everyone was ready. They did some post production. The film came out. It was a big success. Everyone loved it. <laughs> I bought it on Blu ray and there you go. <laughs> uh, but I did find some stuff. Number one, Jamie Lee Curtis revealed to Chris Hardwick on his podcast that she performed the sounds of the baby crying when Michael walked through the house. The baby noises are Jamie Lee Curtis making baby noises. Acting. Yeah, I guess they couldn't find a baby. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Babies and animals, notoriously hard to work with. You can't get them to perform when you need them to. It's, it's like they don't want to pay attention or something. It's weird. This is going to sound very sinister. I promise it's not. But you give me five minutes, I'm pretty sure I can get a baby to cry. Jesus Christ, man. I Are promise you, sure you it's innocent. Keep that, keep, that, uh, keep that comment in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have no Jesus. way out of this. Jesus Christ. I said it wasn't sinister. It's, it's an innocent <laughs> statement. <laughs> Sure it is. Okay, Connor. You are all but guaranteeing that you will never get laid again in your entire life. (laughs) Or at the very least. (laughs) I have have nothing to say. (laughs) I can't even. (laughs) Oh, my God. Do I keep it or do I just get rid of all of this? I don't know. (laughs) Hey, look, man. You only live once, you know. You play it safe all the time. Yeah. Just, just hope that if you're dating somebody, they don't listen to this episode. I'm not saying I'd like shake it or stab it or something. I'm saying like, whoa, whoa, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it! (laughs) I there's no way to make this one nice. No, man, you keep sinking your own ship. The hole is dug. I've jumped into it. Fucking bury me, okay? <laughs> Jesus. I'm sure he's a nice guy, ladies. Okay. Just don't judge him solely on this on this stance. Oh, Just God, don't this bring is... any child around him. <laughs> this is all gone. This is all gone. I'm not risking that shit. <laughs> oh dear lord. It sounded so innocent in my head. It really did. I don't know how. I don't don't either, actually. Okay. It's been a long day, Connor. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. Number two. Number two. Right before the father and son find the crashed bus and and the escaped Smith's Grove patients, the son is telling his father about how much he enjoys his dance classes. Prior to his involvement on Halloween, director David Gordon Green spent almost a decade working on a reimagining of Dario Argento's Suspiria about the horrors going on inside a revered dance academy, eventually leaving the project due to budgetary restraints and legal concerns. An updated Suspiria was eventually made, directed by Luca Guadagnino, who'd personally hired Green to direct the film first when he was working on it as a producer, and the film came out a week after Halloween. It's kind of neat. 
I didn't realize Green had spent so long trying to get Suspiria redone. Yeah, I remember when I was when Blaze Gustin was reporting that remake. Yeah, his name was attached to that for a while before he uh, it was announced he had left. I remember seeing Suspiria in development for quite some time on IMDb. I just wasn't paying attention to names. Um, number three, working titles included Halloween Returns, which is what it should have been called. Um, Halloween H four O forty years later. Ugh. And Halloween, The Wrath of Michael Myers. Ignore all the sequels minus H4, which is clearly ripping off H2O and is subtitled Wrath of Michael Myers as if he haven't already had a revenge, a return, and a curse. You know, uh, as stupid a title as H2O is, at least it makes sense. At least there's a pun there. H4O means nothing. <laughs> And even like seeing about the like the wrath of Michael Myers, like, God damn it, we've had him return. He's gotten his revenge somehow. We found out about his curse. What wrath are you talking about? In the whole damn franchise, the wrath of Michael Myers. Yeah. I wouldn't be cool with Halloween Returns, actually. I think that would have been a badass title. Halloween Returns, Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends. Flawless trilogy right there. I give Halloween a nine. It's such a great successor to, to the uh, 78 classic has become the staple <laughs> of October all on its own. I watch it every year now, and uh, I love this movie. Yeah, uh, I give it even an eight still. It's very close to nine, but, you know, it they just knocked it out of the park. They really made a film that both continued a story that they want to tell, but honored a lot of the past elements of the, the franchise, gave us, you know, one of the best takes on Michael Myers in the series. And I just, yeah, I love this movie. It's a great fucking sequel. Um, I, I'm probably going to be the lowest of the, of the group. It's, it's a seven for me and not in like, not in like a really like bad way. I just feel like for what we got it, it's better than fucking trick or treat motherfucker, AKA Halloween resurrection, which admittedly that bar is very low. Um, what shines in this movie is John Carpenter coming back and doing the music for it. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis really um, owning Laurie Strode once again. And it's, um, it's a very, uh, very brutal movie and really takes Michael Myers and makes, and makes him kind of scary again. Yeah. And I'm just treating him like a shark. That's just out there and he's on a feeding frenzy. So hopefully, um, and, and admittedly that I think this is like the third time I've seen it. So maybe it'll grow on me a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about catching Halloween kills. Uh, I've got a ticket for Thursday night, so I will see it then. And yeah, let the mayhem continue. Happy Halloween. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoy our shows, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can send us a message through our socials. Uh, if you want to support the show via Anchor, you can click on support this podcast on your preferred podcast provider. All donations are appreciated. Thank you very much. And if not, if you just love listening to a free show, all the best. 
Next week, we go back to the cycle to check out uh, my pick. Two kind but naive hillbillies go camping in the woods only to be mistaken for psychopaths by a group of misguided asshole college kids. Miscommunication leads to a whole lot of death in the 2010 horror comedy Tucker and Dale versus Evil. One of my favorites, and I cannot wait to talk about it next week. This is such a funny-ass movie. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about it. I love this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, admittedly, this is one that I was not too fond of when I first saw it. So I, uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see what you guys uh, say about it, and I might just watch it um, maybe sometime this week just to revisit it. Okay. So with my pick, the cycle, this cycle's over and we've all picked new stuff for the next cycle. And uh, those will be, you know, they will come up in the next few months. Uh, in the meantime, get your tickets for Halloween Kills and keep watching movies. Mm-hmm.